Welcome everyone back to another episode of Believe in Navy Football podcast. I'm Bill Wagner, longtime Naval Academy Athletics beat writer for the Capital Gazette newspapers and the Baltimore Sun. I am joined by former Navy football greats, two of the finest offensive players of the triple option era, Keenan Reynolds and Eric Catani. Uh, gentlemen, uh, a lot has happened since the last time we got together last week to preview the Air Force game. Let's start with the game. What happened on the field is notable, although it has now been upstaged by what's happened off the field. But first and foremost, Air Force beat Navy 23-3. to The Navy defense showed up strong, played lights out for the bulk of the game, kept uh, Navy in the game with some outstanding uh, defensive stands, uh, really kind of stonewalled Air Force. Unfortunately, the offense uh, had a bad day, and the final numbers are not pretty. It was 68 total yards, only 36 rushing yards, only six first downs, basically offense eight, eight, three and outs. Um, really not a single sustained drive. Uh, they were given short fields a few times and could not take advantage. The one most notable was when there was a 19-yard punt by Air Force that set up Navy at, I believe, the 44-yard line of Air Force. And uh, Xavier Arline, the quarterback, was this close, and I'm holding my fingers together for the listeners, to breaking it for a touchdown, but he got tripped up by the Air Force linebacker, Blackman, who had a great game, uh, really was all over the place, made a lot of tackles. Uh, but, you know, we got to kind of immediately fast forward to what happened afterwards. Um, kind of some crazy news. Uh, we I learned while I was trying to finish my game story after I'd been to the post-game press conference, was transcribing my tape and trying to uh, package up the final – story that had quotes, uh, we learned that uh, offense coordinator Ivan Jasper, longtime offense coordinator, 18 years as offense coordinator, a total of 22 years with Navy football, was fired in the locker room after the game. And uh, we had a long Sunday of waiting to uh, have this word or news official from Navy. We figured they put out a press release on Sunday announcing this. I fully expected that to happen. It did not, and then uh, Monday was more of a waiting game until 2 o'clock when head coach Kendi Amatololo had his weekly press conference. I asked the very first question, and I asked him to address the, the news about Ivan Jasper being fired, and then in a roundabout way, Coach Niamat announced that Ivan had been reinstated to the staff, but as only the quarterback's coach, he's no longer offensive coordinator, and uh, Kenya Matalolo will be calling plays starting with the Houston game. And this is not unprecedented because Coach Niamatololo called the plays for most of the 2019 and 2020 seasons. So he had only recently returned the play calling duties to Coach Jasper. Um, but I guess let's just kind of talk about this. Keenan Reynolds, you... Coach Ivan Jasper was your coach. He helped develop you into a record-setting quarterback. I know you're very close with the man, and I know you have strong feelings on this, and I want to give you the floor first to give us your assessment uh, of this obviously bizarre situation. Oh, man. So I, I, I'm going to 
I'm going to start with my game breakdown first. I want to I want to briefly touch on the game. Maybe we can double back here and get more in depth. Uh, you know, actually, you know what? I'm just going to get right to it. Let's get right to it. So I personally was very pissed off um, at the way things transpired over the last 72 hours. Um, I think for a man that has uh, built the track record and resume that Coach Jasper has, he commands a little bit of professional respect. And I certainly feel like that that was not uh, extended toward him after all that he's done for this for this program. If you just go back to um, a few years ago where he was dealing with his child um, having serious health issues, he still was around. He still helped coach. He still found a way to balance all of that because of how much he loved Navy football, how much he loved the kids, how much he loved you know the people that he was uh, entrusted responsibility for and for the way for this entire thing to be dealt with in the locker room after 20 20 years the locker room that's what we're going to do after the game not even not the next day not you know monday morning after we watch the film um in the locker room i don't even think they do that in the nfl i've never in my short time in the league and eric could probably speak to this too have ever seen a coach in the National Football League, the most cutthroat of all organizations there is. Never have I seen or heard, I could be wrong, a coach not even making out of the damn locker room and getting fired. Excuse my language. Um, most of the time, a GM would go back, watch the film, have a meeting with the head coach, have a meeting with the with the said coach in question. And really, the, 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 the onus would come down from the head coach, not the GM. It would be a collaborative uh, meeting, and then the, the head coach would deliver the news. So just all kinds of things just all out of order, in my opinion. And and then you and then you announced today that, that you're bringing them back. So my thing is, how do you even foster trust amongst the parties involved? I mean, I'm, I'm talking coaches to administrative staff. How, where does that trust? That trust is broken. We're, getting, we're going into game three against Houston on the road, on ESPN night game fortunately we have a bye this week because lord knows what would happen if we had to play on saturday um but how do you you've 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 fractured trust between your players you fracture trust between the coaches and the coaches and administrative staff and i i just i don't understand i i really just don't understand why we would go about it this way and then we roll it back i mean it's just i know this program we stand for more um, we are we command respect wherever we go, and I feel like we just look like we don't know what we're doing, and it pisses me off. And and that's just this is probably the PG rated rant <laughs> because it could I, I've had much much worse feel, uh, opinions, much more opinionated, much 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 stronger feelings toward this. But fortunately, um, to coach to quote Coach Nehemiah Cooler has prevailed. I was able to you know. You take a few days, you, you think about it, you, you sit back and on the couch, you, you you vent to some people. And then, you know, we come today and we try to have a constructive conversation about it. On that note, I mean, Coach Nehemiah today during his presser acknowledged this was very unorthodox. He says it's not normally how things work, that normally the head coach is dealing with personnel moves involving assistant coaches. And Coach Nehemiah you know, basically – went to Chet and 
asked him to please reconsider. And his number one fundamental reason, beyond the fact that Ivan has been a friend of his for more than three decades, his most fundamental reason is that for Navy football, somebody's got to coach the quarterbacks. We've got two sophomore quarterbacks. Who's going to do it? And who's going to coach the quarterbacks? So you can't hire a quarterback coach, especially one that knows the triple option. About the only candidate available that would be qualified is Keenan Reynolds, and I don't think he's going to take the job. So, Eric, I mean, kind of what's your assessment here? Because the reason that they had to reverse course and rehire, reinstate, whatever word you want to use, Ivan as quarterbacks coach is because they would have left been left assistant short without anybody coaching the quarterbacks. Yeah, uh, Keenan, you said it in the nicest way possible. But um, before we start that, you know, it was great seeing you know you Chris and you Bill and, and Keenan at the game, and uh, you know more importantly that the game was on 9/11. You know, I saw a ton of classmates, and you know that day meant a lot to us as a 20-year anniversary of that. You know, a lot of the people that you know have played with have have done the ultimate sacrifice. So I want to you know respect that day and you know respect everybody coming together as Americans at that time. It was, it was amazing, um, and then. With the attributes that happened after the game, I actually was was leaving the stadium and I saw Coach Jasper and his wife in his car when I was walking out. And usually when I see them, it's, you know, a jovial, you know, hello, how you doing? Things are going well. It was car, wave. I'm like, it looks kind of off. And then with the stuff that transpired, um, Edge's head, Keenan, I have not seen that in NFL. Um, and the thing that, you know, kind of resonates with me that, you know, we were taught as midshipmen is the chain of command man <laughs> there is there there was no chain of command it was it was this this boom this without the like you said you know there are hotheads you know we lost the game it was you know a cic it's been a couple of bad years but coach jasper is a man he is one of the he's one of the greatest of all times for the triple option you know as, as a coach as a quarterback coach you can't bring someone else in they don't know the small nuances of the steps the footwork the depth the movement of the, of the whole plays of how things go. It's not just a spread offense where you just bring someone in from Utah State or, or Hawaii and, and sling it. This is a, a tree of coaches that there are very, very few people um, to you know to bring that in. And there's very few people that can do it at, at the well, at, at the rate that he could do. So the break in the chain of command of not, you know, going through Coach Neamont and the coaching staff and then doing it that way, that's what kind of irks me. And, you know, a lot of my friends have been reaching out to me, asking me what's happening, what's going on. And, you know, I don't think anybody really knows what's going on. We got other coaches and recruiters that are now getting dismissed and fired for not taking the vaccine. And they have that in their hands. And they have all these different, you know, things that are happening. It's only game two, right? This is not, you know, middle of the season. This is not week 10 of the season. This is game two. This seems like it's it's been probably brewing in Chet's mind for mindset. If we lose, you know, we're going to do this, this, and this. And I'm not sure what's really happening to an extent that, you know, Ricketts Hall, I think they need to, you know, Get their, get their shit together. Yeah. You know, I just kind of want to – I want to double back on something that, that Bill mentioned. He said that Coach Nehemiah has been calling the bulk of the plays for the last two, three couple of seasons, right? And only recently Coach Jasper came back and started calling the plays. So, like, knowing that bit of information – um it makes me question this decision even more not to say that someone else sh should have fallen on a sword but i mean i'm just saying like if 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 
the people in charge knew that, then I think this, I feel like this whole situation was just, did you even know what was going on? Did you even know the dynamic of how this worked behind the scenes? Who would, and, and to your point, Eric, who would want to come in midseason to take this job after that? Nobody wants, nobody's going to want to work in that because, oh, okay, my quarterback turns the ball over a few times, I'm going to get fired in the locker room. If or, we drop a pass, if we drop a game winner, you're going to fire the receiver coach. You know what I'm saying? You know, it is like, like, you know, we've been on the call. I've been cut a ton of times. I've been cut multiple times. And I can tell you when I was with the Patriots, they, you know, they cut guys like this, right? You know, it's, it's a team program. It's, it's how it moves. I walked in every day, opened that door, you know, says, do your job, right? And, and everything else that goes with the, the, you know, working for the Patriots. I walked in every day, walking past Coach, <laughs> Coach Belch's office. I'm like, is someone going to grab me right now? I'm like, cut. <laughs> and it's not a fun feeling, right? You know, yeah. it, it's it's the confidence that you have, not just with your, you know, your abilities as a player, because you can be a phenomenal player. But if you lack that self-confidence, then some of those phenomenal shows. players, it shows in the field. It shows, hey, you're not confident the playbook. Okay, I'm going to stand there and I'm, I'm going to get set. Do I really know what I'm going to do? No. So with this happening and the coaching staff kind of in this, you know, paradigm, it's it's a very unique place in Ricketts Hall. So – this leads us to where are we now? And uh, I had openly questioned, uh, has the damage been done? Can, you know, Coach Nehemiah said, we've got to press forward. We're going to have to try to put this behind us. We've got to try to heal this wound. Um, is it possible, fellas? I say no. I say there's only really two options, and I'm not going to say anything, but I think people know what those options are. So that's what it comes down to, and I don't know who is the the ultimate authority on that but that's just my opinion um i feel like that relate like that you know there's it's a difference between uh if there was just a yelling match you know if we just disagree i mean you got very successful men that have been top of their game for years and years and years so there's naturally going to be disagreement there's naturally going to be you know yelling uh you know it's gonna get emotional especially after everybody everybody wants to win i mean i know at the end of the day the ultimate goal is to win to win the champ win this, the commander in chief's trophy that's the chance that's 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 the, everybody's goal so you have your disagreements you yell you do whatever but at the end of the day there's trust and respect and those things are foundational to any relationship and once you break that foundation i don't know how long the house can last so all i'm saying is i don't see how it continues, you know, business as usual. But you know, so that's can, just me. Can I play the opposite? So what what cures that? Oh, winning. If we winning. if we winning if cures we, all. If we if yeah. we can come back in two weeks and we could win, we the thing about us is we have the third hardest schedule in the NCAA. Like <laughs> you look at the numbers and the teams that are playing, like, yes, it was a must win last week. Now we're like, okay, now we have five very, very hard teams, right? So you if go on the road we, and beat Houston. It's a completely different conversation on ESPN, and then things change, and then coach, and then coach Jasper gets, hey, you know what? Let's get this, guys. You know, if I was, if I was playing right now, right? I'd be pissed. I would, I if I, if I was a captain or not a captain, I would pull everybody aside immediately. Emergency team meeting right now. We need to win, and it's not just for us. It's for the man that 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 you know put us here, right? A lot of those guys were recruited by him. A lot of those guys got the check mark by him to say, hey, come to the academy, free education. Job in five years, success for life, right? You know that that is the stuff that the Naval Academy brings. So, yeah, I, I think you know you made a great point, Eric. And and I and I have said this 
and I, I tweeted this at the game, somebody's going to have to just step up and make a play. I mean, somebody in that quarterback room is just going to have to step up and take the job. I have I have yet to see um, – I think we have three very talented quarterbacks, the young, um, not, not a ton of experience, but a lot of talent. But somebody's just going to have to turn the dog on and come take it. You need the X factor. That's, man. You need that's when I played, you know, Sean White, X Factor. Tyree Barnes, make a play, X Factor. Myself, Ricky Dobbs, Kaipo, X Factor. Keenan, every other play was you dude, just, just just dominating. These guys, I'm not sure if they don't have to fight or what they're, what they're doing, because Coach Neymar at the press conference was saying, Hey, you know, I'm not mad at their effort. You know, the execution wasn't there. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's somebody it's, somebody it's not the coaches in the field. The coaches can be the best coaches ever. But if you're not on the field, you're not making the plays. You're not breaking those tackles. You're not. You're not wanting it, right? Like you're a Division One athlete. Like I, I went through Ricketts Hall. It's phenomenal. The new facility, the IMAX Center, all the awards, everything else. That doesn't mean shit. Win, play, dominate, show up, make a name of yourself. Yeah, and, and, and you know you could scheme. I could draw the best play in the world. I could have the perfect blocking. We could have their, all the defensive signals. We can know everywhere they're going to line up. But at the end of the day. When, when it's when, when it's time to hike that ball and that ball is snapped, it is a one-on-one, mano-a-mano. I know it sounds cliche, but it's a one-on-one matchup. Are you going to beat the guy? And what happened on Saturday was we lost all our one-on-one matchups. The defense, they were dominating. But, you know, yeah, from, a confident, from a confidence perspective, if if I if we get a three and out and then I go still on the bench and then I got to come back after another three and out from our side, it's just like, dang. And then we stop them again, like, let's go. And then we got to come back out. And then I we agree. keep coming. It's, it's gonna it's gonna break. It don't matter who the defense is. It don't matter if you got the two thousand Baltimore Ravens, the best defense ever. There, it doesn't matter if you don't execute on offense. If you don't sustain drives and it's, score it's, touchdowns, your defense will not hold up for four quarters. It's just not gonna happen. Last week, man, it, like I I said, special teams. It's long snapper. What's he doing? And then the guy who's trying to block the punt. Do what the coach has taught you to do. Why are you going to go go that angle? Move your hands, move your feet, get out of the way. Go to the block point. Don't go to him. That changed a lot of the game right there. Yeah. Why are you doing that? That was you know, you know better. You know better as a player that that is your job, right? Those special teams guys, a lot of those guys don't play both sides of the ball. That's their one job. I'm not saying they like that's that you got to do better. And then we also had the, you know, the the muff punt in our deep in our territory. Fortunately, yeah. defense came up with a stop, missed field goal. But I mean, these are just, you know. You could point to a lot of different things where it's like, okay, that's not. Do we blame scheme for that? I I don't think you can. I don't think you can just put a blanket put place blanket blame, and you know, the the, the question that remains now, and I and I think that we have no there's no better staff in the country to to be faced with this question, is what are we going to do? What are we made of? Who are we? Who are we? This is this is bigger than you know as a player. It's bigger than. Um, just like you said yourself this is about who we are as men you know what i'm saying like what are we going to command um when we step out on the field yeah. what type of how I, are we going to carry guys, you know the guys worked hard all off season you know they had covid mm-hmm. last year they're they're stuck there all last year you know they don't want to lose like this it's embarrassing and they, and they know that you know yeah in the locker sure. room you see their heads down the coach they're trying to console them I, you know i get that i get that but it's it's week 3 now with the bye week you know now it's time to get your bodies right, get a little healthier, you know, get in the ice stuff, get, get stretched out, get all the stuff you have to be done and show up to ESPN and prove the world. Shock the world like everybody else, dude. Shock the world. There's still a lot of season left. That's what Coach Nehemiah said. Before we close out this topic and get into a little more of the game breakdown, and I do have a few questions for you fellas, 
we talked about the spread and was it uh, kind of not right that Navy being home uh, was an underdog by six and a half points? Well, we know the answer. Air Force covered the spread. Uh, whoever bet Navy to cover uh, lost. Uh, Cervello, did you bet the right way? Did you make a little money uh, or no? I, I did make a little bit of money. I did. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's talk about our presenting sponsor, Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a few new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And so while we got them on right now, let's go to our alumni spotlight. And we are joined by Chris Wade, who is got a little bit of an interesting story as regards to what he's doing now. Um, and you know, I wanted to just give a quick recap of uh, Chris was a 2004 graduate, if I'm correct, and you lettered in 2003. Is that right, Chris? That's right. And you were a defensive end and linebacker for Navy. And then why don't you tell us real quickly what your service wound up being? What did you do when you uh, went into the fleet? Uh, I was a ground supply officer in the Marine Corps. Um, went out to uh, Marine Corps Air Station Iwakuni for my first assignment, deployed to Iraq out of there. Uh, then went to 3rd Combat Engineer Battalion in 29 Palms, did two deployments to Afghanistan uh, from there. So 2012, I got out of the Marine Corps. And so uh, why don't you just quickly tell us what your full-time job is. And the reason we're having you on here tonight is to talk about your side hustle a little bit, because uh, that's what's really interesting. But what are you doing full-time these days, Chris? Sure. Well, since I got out of the Marine Corps, I've been working for a company called Packaging Corporation of America. Um, I'm a purchasing manager, uh, buying repair parts, services, uh, pretty much anything. It's a 24-hour operation, uh, much like the Marine Corps. Um, been doing that since 2012. I well, originally was living in International Falls, Minnesota, and moved down to Valdosta, Georgia about two years ago. Um, you know, during the, the pandemic and all the quarantine, we were working from home for three months and I kind of picked up a, a little side hobby of, of painting shoes and um, just got really intrigued by the, the cleat aspect of it with the My Cause, My Cleats in the NFL. Um, knew we had some uh, brotherhood guys in the NFL and kind of started reaching out slowly to, to people about doing cleats. Um, Came on very late in the game, uh, you know, during training camp, trying to reach out to guys and they're trying to make the team. So it wasn't really ideal. Kind of learned as, you, as I went along. And um, this year was able to hook up with Cam Kinley, Malcolm Perry, and Joe Cardona. Uh, made cleats for all three of those guys. And um, just looking to keep going, keep finding other people to make cleats for. It's, it's really awesome knowing that, you know, your work, it's uh, on TV and you can see them. Yeah. Those are my uh, cleats I did for my son. It's first year in flag football. <laughs> well, so I'm looking at Joe Cardona's cleats right now. They New England Patriots tweeted out a photo of them. Uh, they were in the locker room. 
I see the don't tread on me across the uh, kind of the the, the um, brim there. And then on the back of the cleat, uh, 21 with uh, it looks like interlocking um, rifles. What, can you tell us what the theme was for Joe Cardona's cleats that he wore on Sunday? And I did talk to Joe Cardona about this. Talked to him on the phone last week. He was psyched about the cleats. And uh, it was interesting because uh, as Keenan and Eric know, in the NFL, they've got the uh, uniform police. They got uh, guys assigned to walk the uh, field before the game, make sure everybody's in compliance. And I asked uh, Cardona, did he know if these cleats were going to be in compliance? And he said, if you're talking about me supporting uh, lost fallen soldiers from 9-11, I'll pay the fine. Uh, so tell us what theme was that Cardona went with for the cleats you gave him. Yeah, and, you know, ultimately, uh, I've, I've heard stories like that. I don't want anybody to get fined. So I, I kind of tried to stick with the, the Patriots colors. Um, one of the shoes was to commemorate 9-11. So we had the don't forget 9-11 on the left heel and on the right heel. That was actually two ones uh, battalion logo. Um, it was a little bit, um, a lot of detail in there. So some of the things I had to drop off, but what we did do is I did subdued, uh, all, all 13 members that were killed in that Kabul attack. I, I made sure all their names were on that, that right shoe. Um, you know, it, and it was pretty cool. You know, I, I recommended it to Joe and he's like, I don't know if I want to do that. And then he's like, you know what? Yeah. They, they gave the ultimate sacrifice. Let's do it. And, um, you know, like I said, on the, the left shoe for, 9-11, I, I had NYPD, FDNY, um, you know, com honor, courage, commitment, you know, a lot of the, the never forget, the times that the planes hit the towers and that the times that the towers fell, I had those subdued in there as well. So tried to put as much detail, subdued detail in there so it wouldn't, you know, draw the, the big flashy colors to, to the shoe, but it, it did have a lot of meaning for, for Joe and, and that day of 9-11. So before we let Chris go, Eric and Keenan, any uh, thoughts? What any questions for Joe? Or, I mean, Chris. Yeah, Chris and I talked uh, via via messaging, and he sent me a picture of his cleats. And myself, as an artist, um, it's really impressive what you could do with cleats. Um, it's it's super hard. It's a you know, three D versus two D. It's not a canvas, so having you uh, juxtapose all that stuff in there—that's absolutely amazing. And I actually want some uh, golf cleats since I don't, I don't play football anymore. <laughs> So I, I'm actually thinking of some ideas um, what I want for my golf cleats. I wear, I wear Jordans for my golf shoes, and I think they're sweet. But if I can make them custom, the country club boys might might be jealous. Oh yeah, that was nice. Yeah, yeah. I uh, if I've you get one with an air bubble, we could put a light in it too. Oh, don't <laughs> even. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Did you ever wear some sweet cleats? Uh, Man, not, nothing like nothing like that. And, and I'm I'm sitting over here like you know how can I get some custom shoes? I don't play anymore. What can I do to get some custom shoes? And those look amazing. I think the, the, the theme, I mean, obviously very fitting for the day and what, what this means 20 years later. Um, and, we, and we touched on that briefly last pod. And so, I mean, it's great to see what you're doing. And, um, you know, now that Malcolm's up there in new England as well, I hope he can, you guys can get in touch and you can put on some sweet stuff as well. So, well, Chris had made Malcolm some cleats for the dolphins, but they had a <laughs> <in the> dumpster. <laughs> yeah. Malcolm wanted to keep them uh, pretty much white and subdued because that's what the dolphins really, they go with the white bottoms. And yeah, I saw some guys wearing white cleats on the Patriots, but I didn't think they were going to make the trip. 
Well, Chris, thanks so much. When I start with white cleats, is I used to wear white cleats all the time and have them spatted white because on film it makes you look faster. Oh, really? <laughs> and Keenan knows what I'm talking about. Look yeah. faster with the white cleats yeah. moving around. Well, Black cleats not so fast. I asked Chris was uh, I, I thought it'd be cool for Chris to make a cleat for a Navy football player for that 9/11 game, but I guess a they had their own special cleats that came with the, the specialty uniforms, but B. Uh, he wanted to do one for Diego Figo, but Figo's another guy that has his cleats spatted. Oh yeah, Chris, we'll do with my my art business painter. We'll get you, we'll get you a spotlight. <laughs> Sounds good. Appreciate Chris, it. thanks a lot for joining us. Appreciate Chris Wade being with us for the alumni spotlight. We're going to be talking to former Navy football players all season, getting to find out what they're doing now, what they did in their service time. So thanks for being our first guest spotlight, Chris. All right. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate you, Chris. All right, fellas. Let's get back to analyzing what happened. And the defense played great. Diego Fago led the way. They're flying around like crazy. Uh, really shut down Air Force. And I'm, I'm sorry that we're not going to be able to spend more time talking about defense. But the, the, the topic of the day is the offense and what needs to be done to get right. Um, one thing before I leave on defense, uh, we may have – Navy football may have suffered a couple tough losses. Kevin Brennan and Mitch West, the two starting safeties, both went out with what looked like serious injuries. Coach Nehemiah said it's not looking good for West, which is a euphemism for season ending, and that's a shame because he was playing really well. In fact, he was really flying around in that game early on. Uh, Brennan looked pretty serious to me, but Coach Nehemiah said there is hope that he can return. So let's let's put in the prayers that they do. But the offense, I mean, so guys, what was it? I mean, Air Force playing man-to-man coverage, stacking the box with seven. Um, but don't tell me, and they've been doing that for years, and yeah. Navy's moved the ball on them. You got to get movement. I mean, in the end, one team won the line of scrimmage. Um, I saw Navy ball carriers with nowhere to go. You know, yeah. I saw a fullback pounding the line, and he's running in the backs of his offensive <clears throat> linemen who have been stood up. And he fell forward for a yard. Well, that's the game, that's game though. The game is down all... the line, and and there was nowhere to go. He's trying to look for an opening, and there was none. So let's start with Eric, and then go to Keenan. Well, what happened offensively on Saturday? There's a couple of things. You know, the, the the game for the triple option is to get the fullback running, right? Or get the fullback running usually wins the game. You know, we our fullback had I think like 16 yards, and Army's fullback at over 100, or Air Force over yeah, 100. Yeah, Brad it's Roberts just, had almost 100. Yeah, you, you got to get that fullback going. You got to get the three guys going, fullback, center, quarterback. But the thing, you stack the box, stack the box, that's fine. We need a quarterback and receivers to get open. We need to open it up. We need to get that, that, that seven-man, eight guys in the box, move them back. Give us room as a fullback, as a quarterback, as A-backs to actually get moving and, and get some space. You know, that is, you know, part of the game. They made some great conversions on passing, and we did not execute on our side. Do you agree, Keenan? Yeah. Um, I think that uh, I, I feel like the quarterback change should have happened sooner. I remember being on the sideline uh, midway through the third quarter, and uh, I was talking to some of the guys, and I was like, they need to make a change right now. Because um, I, I came back from the locker room, um, and when I came back, we were on defense. I was like, wait a minute, we, we, we got the ball first. How are we already on defense? You know, we already had a three and out. And so I think that uh, they needed to think about the Air Force games and 
the games where we dominated were the ones where we kind of kept them off balance. Um, because if they can key in, and, and we talked about this, if if an option team, um, if you can key in on an option team and like know what they're doing and, and run your plan, man, like it's it's hard it's hard to stop if they can key in on you. And then it's hard to move the ball if the defense that you're playing against knows the option and they key in as well. That's why it's always so tough in these Army Navy games and in these Air Force games, is because everybody knows the offense. Everybody's running the same offense. It's all the same at the core. So, you know, I think that we we really get when we get into these service academy games, I think it's very important to continuously keep the defense on their heels. They I felt like they keyed in. They knew exactly what we were going to be doing and they were ready for it and they played it and they beat us up on the up front. Could have got zero movement, like we said. And uh, it made it really hard to do anything. And then and then you, when you try to pass, right, when you don't have a running game and you try to pass, it's it's not going to work, especially when passing is not the, the, the bedrock of your offense. They're going to pin their ears back. They're going to trust their one on one matchups. We can be better than you guys one-on-one. Clearly, that's what they think. They're playing man, so they clearly think they can match up better. Um, and they'll say, beat us. Beat us one-on-one. And I think that's what Air Force was saying. Like, it, you guys are not going to beat us with the fullback. You're going to have to beat us on the perimeter, one-on-one, executing passing plays. And we didn't do that. In the red zone, um, it gets tough. It's it's hard. It's so hard to score, first of all. But it's even harder. It's so crazy. The closer you get to the end zone, the harder it gets to get in. And I think that that's something that we really – if if I had to point a finger like, okay, where are we going to start? Let's start in the red zone because we, we've gotten there a couple of times, but we can't seem to get in. So I think if I'm a coach, we are – I'm going to go look at who is the best red zone team in the NCAA this year so far. Who is the best red zone team in the NFL in 2020? What are they doing? Are they pounding the ball and just beating you down and running it through? Now, some guys, you know, you go Tennessee Titans, I hand the ball to Derrick Henry. Not too many people going to stop him <laughs> on the five, on the four, three, you know, two yard line. He's not going to get stopped. Yeah, yeah, you did get stopped last week. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but what I'm saying is, I'm pretty sure the Titans led the league in, the, in red zone efficiency last year. And so, uh, doing large part to the type of people they have. But the point is, like, what are they running? You know what I'm saying? Like, what? Are, how are they scheming the plays up to make their to get their guys open to create the best matchups? Those are the, that's where I'm starting first. If I'm a coach, so we, we get our red zone issues together. The second thing I'm thinking about is how can we be better on first now? Because when you go, when you start on first and ten, and then you end up in second and twelve, man, that's hard as a play call. What do you do? Do I run the ball? Well, what if I run it and don't get no yards? Now it's third and twelve. Well, do I throw the ball? Well, what if it gets sacked? Now it's third and seventeen. Well, it was incomplete. Now it's third and 12. What do you do? It's second and 12. I don't know what to call. What do you want me to call? You want me to throw the ball? Okay. Can we connect? I don't know. You want me to run the ball? Well, we just lost two yards. What do I do? So we need to be better in the red zone. We need to be better on first down. And so I think the coaching staff needs to, and I think they're going to do this in the bye week, but we need to um, dive into those areas. And so this is one of these areas, this, this is kind of going back to Eric's point about moving forward. This is where you have to move forward because at the end of the day, Come Saturday, the 24th or 25th, a game will be played. Two teams will be on the field. You got to be ready to play. So you can't, we can no longer dwell as much as I, as a fan, as an alumni, can speculate and state my opinion. Those inside of Ricketts Hall have to come together 
we have to figure out where do we address first. And in my opinion, it's let's get better on first down. Let's find ways to keep people off balance on first down. And let's get better in the red zone. I personally think we need to add in some shifts. We need to get in some – we need to shift, keep the defense. They start doing different things, window dress. We still run our base stuff. Let's do it in different – let's do it in different ways. What can we pull out? What can we run? That's what I would do. What passive concepts can we add in the red zone? Can we get our quarterback on the move to get him more comfortable, to get him that run-pass option? How can we put our offensive line in a better uh, position to, to be successful? What's holding them up for being successful? Is it is it one on one blocks? Do we need to double team more? You know, these are the type of questions that I'm I know they're asking. But as a as a fan, and I'm trying to be uh, the quarterback, uh, Monday morning quarterback, armchair quarterback. That's where I would address first. Well, and that's what Coach Neamot said after the game. You have to be able to loosen them up, and at some point you have to complete a couple passes, and that's what Air Force did. They only completed three passes, but those passes downfield to the tight end were effective. And they did succeed in forcing Navy to have to honor that. And then Daniels also broke a couple uh, quarterback keepers, little draws, quarterback draws that were one he scored off of. And Coach Niamat thought those couple plays really changed things and loosened up Navy. And Navy was unable to respond in kind. Um, again, well, in Xavier's defense, he dropped back to pass. Um, one pass was dropped over the middle, would have been a first down, would have converted a first down. Yep. A senior slot back dropped that pass. Same mm -hmm. thing happened in the opener. A senior wide receiver dropped the pass. It would have been a first down and a lot more. So that doesn't help you. But on the other five, he pretty much was running for his life from the word jump because it was a jailbreak. So um, I, again, posit about maybe we need to look at some more short passing game elements of, uh, you know, screens a slot back across the middle slot back in the flat again i don't know but eric any your any thoughts on i mean and this game's over and it won't be the same when you play houston because they don't know the option the way air force does but the army and air force games the last two service academy games have been brutal as far as offense and we're looking ahead at army for the next service academy game what has to happen for navy to find a way to loosen up these defenses that know how to play the options so darn well. Um, I'm thinking big picture here, actually. Um, recruiting. Are we getting beat by the two other service academies, Stanford, these top schools? Are, are we doing something or is the Naval Academy doing something? Are they not allowing in the athletes that we had in the past that, you know, you know, weren't the highest caliber or GPAs, but, you know, like, I have guys on my team that I play with that did not have the highest GPAs. I had to go naps, but now they are commanding officers of ships. They are <laughs> one of the, some of the top Marines, some of the top Navy guys. Is it a big picture thing? Or are we not recruiting the right guys anymore that are, you know, so, higher so caliber yeah. athletes that, you know, look at me, right? I, I'll be honest. Like I was a good student, but I was not a 4.0 student. You know, I didn't get a 36 in the ACT. Um, they told me I should have went to Naps. I told them I'm not going to Naps. I'm going to go to West Virginia or I'm going to go to Navy. And they're like, okay, let me let me call some people and figure this thing out. So I'm thinking big picture, like do we need to figure out the recruiting aspect of getting the athletes that we need to do? Because since we are in now a conference, we're not independent. We're in a conference that these athletes are running four fives, four sixes, four fours. They're moving. They're boys. They're, they're not boys. They're men. This is not Towson. You know, this is Houston. Yeah. So, so Eric, I I actually have some a counter to your point, and I, I'm glad you brought this up. So yeah. I actually talked to Coach Fitz, and uh, 
we were just talking about. By the way, is amazing. Yeah, we were just talking about. Keenan's returning to the strength and conditioning quarter. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coordinator Brian Fitzpatrick, just yeah, amazing coach. One of the one of the best in the business. We were just talking about like I, I just was curious. I was like, so what? You know, what do we look like physically? He was like, he this was his way. He told me he said physically leaps and bounds above where we were. Athletically, we're better than we ever been. So it's not. I don't think it's physical, but but I tell you what I do think it is. I found out that, uh, you know, we put 62 kids in naps and only get in 27. One, two, Eric just pointed to his head, mental focus. I think that's, I don't think that's just a Navy thing. I think that's a, a generation wide thing just based on the times that we live in. Three, NIL. It makes it really, really hard to compete because all of these schools that we're playing are getting transfers from, the Alabamas, Ole Miss, JUCO, and they're getting top athletes who may not have been able to, you know, start at Alabama. But if I can go to Memphis and ball, I can get paid. Mm-hmm. I can go to the NFL. Whereas if I would have stayed where I was, maybe I don't. Maybe that doesn't happen. I was watching um, opening weekend. I was watching Texas Tech. They said they had twenty six transfers on their team. Twenty. Six. That is an entire recruiting class of just transfers. Two, two, Navy, two extra years of train, grown men. Yes, right? they're not Navy doesn't have that. They're, they're 22, 23 years old. Yeah. So I think I think the landscape of college football has changed. So I, I think we're getting better athletes. I think we're physically better than we when we were when me and you were there, Eric. It's just a completely different game. So the question has to come down to how do we compete? It used to be we run the option and that just that negates everything. But when you're in a conference and you play the same teams year in, year out, they're going to figure it out. Independent, you play a team back to back and then you move them off the schedule. And then you might not come back for another four or five years. Right. And it's a brand new class. It's probably a new coach. But here you got you're playing teams consecutively every single year. They're going to figure it out. Now, we, we've obviously had much success against a lot of these teams. But at the end of the day, you got to be able to adapt with the times. And I think that it's just a culmination of things that we have to sit down as a program and really address and just figure out how do we stay competitive in this brand new landscape of college football. It's not the same game it was 10 years ago. It's not the same game it was when I was in college. It's a completely new game. And we have to figure out how do we adjust to that. And, and Navy's always been good at adjustments, ironically. There's been times on the sideline where we would draw up plays and and it'd be touchdowns that we never practiced because that's who, how – Guess who drew up those plays? <laughs> it was Jasper. I remember, I remember one game he drew a play. I'm like, what is that? He's like, just do it. Touchdown. I'm like, that was good, coach. <laughs> you know what you're doing. <clears throat> I'm, I'm just saying, I, I think it's – holistically that's kind of how we have to look at it and and, and i'm glad right. you, i'm really glad you brought that up. yeah it, it, there's different aspects it's not just x and o's man it's it's this is football is it's a chess game it's a chess match and and there's more things that come into it you're right with the generational kids and you know them on their phones all the time and you know us losing you know when i was in school you know when facebook first came out show my age you know now it was all like that stuff so next year friends out partying doing the stuff now it's Immediately on their phones, Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, everything else. So it's in their face. And it's something that, you know, you're right. They need to adjust to it. So, guys, before we close it out, I've got some exciting news 
Our pod is partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sport we love most. You'll be able to get in on the action with our PlayActionPools.com football pick'em challenge, which is open to everyone. Here's how it works. Sign up for our contest, Believe Football Pick'em at PlayActionPools.com, and then get your picks in each week. We're going to select the 10 highest profile games of the week between NFL and college football. Whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest using Believe Football Picks. That's B-L-E-A-V, Believe Football Pick'em. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got Survivor. Pick them as well as the cool sports back, sports book style concept called Build Your Bankroll. PlayActionPools.com, your new home for all office pool sports. So, guys, uh, very interesting pod, a lot to digest, a lot to uh, try to unpack, as Keenan had said before we even went on the air. But I thought you did a good job of kind of analyzing it with a little rational discussion. Um, any final thoughts before we close it out? And again, uh, thank Chris Cervello our producer once again for his great work. Uh, any final thoughts, guys? Bye week. Time to show up. Shock the world. I agree. I'm still arriving my dogs. I'm going to be critical, but I'm still arriving my dogs. That's how it is. I like it. I like it. Navy's got two weeks to get things right. Hopefully the family can come together. It's always been a Navy football family. I think Coach Niamat sounded the right tones today. He was very calm and direct. And I thought he said everything right on his presser today. And uh, I think if there's anybody that can try to, you know, re- unite everyone together it's and him. get ready for Houston, it's Coach Niamat. For sure. All right, guys, another great pod. Uh, we're not going to have a second pod this week because there's no game to preview. We'll be back next week to talk about the Houston game. And I'm sure we'll have plenty more news. Well, real quickly, before we go out, I, I it was alluded to here tonight by – Eric, uh, yes, there was other personnel news. Um, two coaches with the program. Uh, this has been something that we've known for a while. Uh, but uh, you, uh, the NAAA, Naval Academy Athletic Association, has a blanket policy that all employees must be vaccinated. And there's a couple employees, one of whom is an assistant coach, Billy Ray Stutzman, who uh, did not want to get vaccinated. And they were let go today. Um and Billy Ray Stutzman announced it via Twitter and said that he had religious reasons for why he did not want to get vaccinated. He sought a religious appeal. It didn't work out. He had been kind of working on special projects away from the team. But uh, at this point, we need ha- all hands on deck and they can't afford to go with assistants that are not coaching. So that's the other news. Um, but we'll have more stuff next week. Thanks, everyone, for joining the Believe in Navy Football podcast. Thank you, Eric and Keenan, for your expertise. We will talk to you next week, folks. If you're a fan of the Believe in Navy Football podcast, be sure to check out Sing Second Sports wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Several times a week, special guest Bill Wagner, along with host John Schofield and Ward Carroll, help you stay up to date with the latest in Naval Academy sports news as they dive into the physical mission of the Naval Academy and look at varsity sports, club sports, and intramurals at the Naval Academy. So be sure to check out Sing Second Sports.